From inside the barrel of Harry Callahan's 44 Magnum, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Please welcome two men who will go ahead and make your day, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. I'm such a sucker for a good Dirty Harry reference. Corey, who sent that one in for us? That was brought to you by Lucky Punk, William T. Garve Garver. Awesome. Now, Wade, you know, you, uh, I'm, I'm going to say you did this because I, 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 I like I, blaming you for things. It's not my fault. You, uh, uh, there was a Star Wars reference. I know, I know. Eric Altieri sent us a Star, <laughs> sent us a Star Wars Wade. reference. Can't take you anywhere. <laughs> and and uh, I totally bonked it. I, I pulled a boner. I, I, uh, I really blew it last week. But, you know, I, I, I exchanged another email with him because... He sent us the, the moon reference from Star Wars, and I cited it where it was, it's not a moon, and I cited it as Empire Strikes Back. And go ahead, read the email. Oh, I was supposed to have the email ready? <laughs> yeah. Well, hang on. Okay, you can vamp for time while I try to find the email because I didn't know I was supposed well, anyway, to do that. I thought you were going to read it. So Eric uh, Eric was like, what are you kidding? It's, it's Star Wars, not Empire Strikes Back. He was so disappointed in us. And I, I emailed him back, and I said, you know what? I totally bonked Wait, on that. Wait, I have it. There you go. Read it. Uh, which one am I reading? Hey, guys, I'm going to put my geek hat on for a second day and say I'm a little disappointed. The intro you guys used last week, That's No Moon, was a Star Wars A New Hope reference, not The Empire Strikes Back. I know. There was no Death Star in The Empire. And then you emailed back, huge apologies, uh, and then he emailed back, the cave is collapsing, That's there it. is no cave. That's, which is what I was confusing this it with. There is in no my, cave. In my mind, which is basically this, almost the exact same scene. That's no moon. This is no cave. I mean, it's the same kind of a joke. The the writing, the device is the same. Don't but try for whatever reason. Her. I was I was stuck on that one and uh, not the moon reference. Well, you're old. So, I, look, I haven't watched. I have not watched Star Wars front to to end in so many years. I can't even count. I it's every time a new DVD or Blu-ray comes out, I'll you know look at the key spots, see if I can see any uh, you know outline on the on the uh, on the effects on the composites. Just you know watch a few key scenes, but I, I haven't watched that thing cover to cover and in, in uh, you know front to end, top to bottom. Them back to front. I haven't seen that in like 15, 20 years. You know what they have on uh, on, on AMC? Here's the thing. I, yeah. my, my, my hours change to the office. So I have to be at the office at 7 a.m., right? Right. And I think I might have said this last week, that when you have to get to the office at 7 a.m. and you have to wake up at 6 to do it, every day is like waking up early to go to the airport, right? Yeah. Because it ruins your whole day because you had to wake up early to go to the airport. And you're in a fog all day, and you can barely function. You're having problems because you had to wake up early to go to the airport, and it's always really annoying. That's my every day. So during the weekends, I really – last couple weeks, I really don't want to do anything. I just want to rest and just not have to wake – so I flipped on the the MLB network, which is all I watch when Mm -hmm. I'm not watching movies. Um, And they had The Godfather on AMC. You know, I I just – The Godfather – it's just it's the perfect movie. I don't get it. You Godfall- can watch that movie from any point and you're immediately absorbed and that movie is so it's just the I, greatest. I, I, I prefer Godfather Two, but well, I get that's it. great it's, too. It's the yeah. same. It's the same deal. I mean, Godfather Two, it, it, the whole flashback thing, all the stuff with De Niro, and you know, here's what I love the most in that entire series: the shot of little Don Corleone as he's at Ellis Island. Looking in the window with the with the with the Statue, Statue of Liberty. Liberty. Oh my gosh, that's that the just, dream. The dream that, that is just, right in front of him. That that shot is just one of the most iconic, memorable, 
representative, brilliant shots in the history of the movies. It's just, it's amazing. You just sit there and you look at that and he's like, is he, is he the little voice of his, you, oh my gosh, it's just, it's that, amazing. That movie's great. Oh. Same thing with Shawshank Redemption. When, when, when you say Shawshank, when you see Shawshank on, uh, on yeah. cable, yeah. you can pick that movie up anywhere and it's still freaking why, Shawshank. Why, why hasn't he made any more good movies? Well, now he does Walking Dead. Um, now wait, yeah. that, uh, that comment was so brilliant, you deserve a cookie. Thank now, you. now the last uh, I don't know why I'm saying this, but because uh, I think people are annoyed with my cookie discussions. But um, the last crappy cookie I made, mm-hmm. I got off a Martha Stewart website, and the cookie blew. My all my subsequent cookies, Wade has to admit, are very good, very professional. Yes, very good. Yeah, thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm sold. Thank I can't, you. I can't make fun of you anymore. So what did I do? I went to the store yesterday, literally two days ago, and and I bought a, a Martha Stewart cookie cookbook. And I knew that the only decent cookie I, I – I, the, the only cookie that sucked that I've ever made was a Martha Stewart website recipe. So why did I buy then an entire Martha Stewart cookie cookbook? I don't know. Because I like the pictures because okay. they had good pictures. Now, so I made this cookie, Wade, and may I say that this cookie also sucks. So I think there is something about Martha Stewart that her cookie recipes blow. So I bought a whole cookbook of Martha Stewart cookie recipes yes. for no reason. So, okay. wait, I'm going to present to you, yeah, which you haven't even seen yet. You no, don't, don't even know what this cookie looks like. I don't even know what it looks like. There it could, is the it, cookie. It looks like poo. <laughs> it, it looks like a turd. Looks like it kind of does. Looks like a like a like a dog just. That is a chocolate yeah. surprise cookie, Wade. Yeah. And when you take a bite of it, you'll realize what the surprise is. Should I be scared? In, in the, no. Okay. It's not that kind of a surprise. Although the surprise will be how, how Martha Stewart, for some reason, the domestic goddess of all time, makes the crappiest cookie recipes in the world. Although Wade might like it. I have no idea. He's trying this for the first time. I pulled it out of the freezer. Now, the reason why I pulled it out of the freezer as opposed to pulling it out of the, uh, the, the, the cookie jar was because the, the, the coldness of the cookie masks the horrible taste. Is that a marshmallow? Yeah. That's the surprise. There's a marshmallow in the middle. I hate marshmallows. I didn't know that. Yeah. Really? So you hate marshmallow? Okay. Okay. Now, okay, be, now be, be honest. Okay. Take the marshmallow out of it, right? It's, it's, a, it's a chocolate cookie with, a, with a, like a half a melted marshmallow in the middle and then covered with, uh, fro- with frosting. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right? Scale of one to ten, five. Yeah. You know what it's good for? If you go to like a kid's birthday party. If you took if if you took thirty of those to a kid's birthday party where the, all the kids just sugar out, yeah. they would love it. The, yeah, they would they would be like high as a kite, and then they would all crash and, yes. and sleep for twenty five hours. Yeah, like a mm-hmm. like a like yeah. what always happens at a kid's at a kid's birthday party. Yeah. But for adults to eat that cookie, not no, happening. No, it's a it's a it's a di- it's an invitation to diabetes. So, um, uh, wait, I have about another twenty five of those in my freezer. Would you like any more? Uh, not right now. <laughs> not or right. Read, ever. read a few more listener mail right now. We've also got a Vox box later in the show. <laughs> oh, not, not yet. Time yet. And. Um, Remember, if you want to hit us with uh, emails or Voxbox, just uh, send to gods at digigods.com. We're always here. Uh, you know what? I want to uh, do a shout-out to Kyle Stevens. Kyle Stevens, who sent what I, what I think is probably the funniest email we've ever received. Um, he said, based recently on uh, our comments about the Teletubbies, he said, I'm going to, do you have any water? I, I gave that, you that, water. It's over there. Where is it? Gosh, that oh. wait, wait. So what? So, oh, so tell marsh- me. that marshmallow is like like glue going down my throat. Wait, so is it the marshmallow that's uh, freaking you out, or is it the? Now, be honest. I, I don't care the answer because I, I, I hate Martha Stewart now, and I wasted my money on that book. Is it the marshmallow you don't like, or is the cookie too sugary, or is it something else? It's the marshmallow. I feel like I'm like I'm suckling a bottle of Elmer's okay. glue. Do me a favor. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, did, did, did you finish the cookie? No, it's okay. over here. I'll finish it later in no, the no, show. No, no, no. 
Uh, here's what I want you to do. What do you want me to do? I want you to, and I've done this, by the way, to see if it's. Yes. I want you to, I'll, I'll give you a napkin if you don't have one. No, 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 stop. Don't. I want you to take the marshmallow. You, you already ate the half the damn thing. Yeah. Take the marshmallow off the cookie. Take but your the, fingers. But then I'm taking the chocolate off the cookie, too. You take, well, you're taking the frosting off the top. No, I, w- I want to eat the, no, I'll, I'll deal with it. Don't right. worry about it. I want to see if the cookie tasted better without the, without the marshmallow. It won't. <laughs> I guarantee you it won't. So, back to Kyle Stevens, who wrote, well, he says... What kind of podcast are we doing anyway? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to preface this email by saying, I do not condone, and in fact, I had a drug issue myself in the early to mid-20s. Don't do drugs. That being said, in college, during my experimental phase, I had the pleasure of partaking in a marijuana cigarette laced with DMT. If you're not familiar with that drug, look it up. While on this unique blend, at 10 a.m. on a Friday morning, we settled into an episode of Teletubbies. For about a week after that experience, I was convinced Teletubbies held the secrets to the universe and were divinely inspired. You don't need drugs to, to realize that, actually, as it turns out. <laughs> too funny. I enjoy that. And... Um, I also want to read an email here from uh, Phil LeMasters, who lives in West Virginia in the town of Kaiser. Really? How did you spell it? (laughs) Hang on, let me see. (laughs) Oh, he spells it differently. Now, in in Oregon, there's a town that uh, spells Kaiser the way I spell my name. Mm -hmm. And actually, I drove through that town. Maybe like maybe seven to ten years ago, I was on a location scout. So I flew into Portland. I had to drive through Kaiser, Oregon. And I took a picture of like pretty much every freeway and a municipal street sign that said Kaiser on it. By the way, you just ate that whole cookie. You just shoved that thing in your mouth. You know I why? Because you liked it. I like the frosting. Really? really? You, you, you like the frosting? Yeah, the frosting's good. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to get you another one. And I want you to pull the marshmallow off it. Whatever. Can I, should I do, can I do that? <laughs> sure, why not? Okay, hang on. Go, go talk about this uh, thing. Okay. Uh, Philip Masters writes and says... Gods, I wanted to pound out this email to let you know how much I love the show and, and to let Mark know how amazing the Saltine Ranch Red Pepper Canola Oil Crackers were. Big a hit. Keep the layman's recipes coming. So that goes along with the cookie thing right now. Did you hear that, Mark? I, I heard that. Good. Okay. I do have a couple of quick questions as well. Um, have, have either of you guys happened to have seen the Ant-Man test footage? Uh, that was shown at Comic-Con. I have scoured the interwebs for it, but uh, it is as hard to find as anyone I know it, uh, as, as I know anyone trying to capture it at Comic-Con uh, has not been heard from since. Also, what do you think of Marvel trying to further bring their cosmic stuff into the mainstream as it pertains to the ending of the Avengers and moving forward with a Guardians of the Galaxy movie in 2014? Tough sell? Or can Marvel do no wrong? Rocket Raccoon coming to a Cineplex near you. Marvel can get a raccoon in their movies, and DC can't get a Wonder, Wo- Wonder Woman movie made. Crazy times. Um, you know, I have not seen the Ant-Man footage. I don't know anyone who has, but uh, I-, I wouldn't even know how to get it. But, you know, it'll, it'll show up eventually when they want it to. And as far as the uh, Marvel stuff doing uh, the cosmic stuff, I don't know how, how well that's going to necessarily play. Uh, because there's a certain layer of familiarity with both Marvel and DC that I think is exploitable. And, you know, if you're, if you're doing Batman and Superman and Spider-Man and the Avengers and even the X-Men, you're, you're, you're fine. But once you really, really dig deep and you start getting into a lot of the, the much more inside baseball stuff, I think the returns are going to be uh, much smaller and the investment it cannot be any, uh, any less. So when you start spending $250 million for, you know, heroes that nobody's heard of, I mean, if, you know, 
I love Doctor Strange, but a $250 million Doctor Strange movie, not happening. You know what? Once you start getting down to yeah. Ant-Man, well, here's the thing. The, the one thing I do give Marvel credit for doing, and they are doing this with Ant-Man, is that they are hiring interesting directors. Like, they, 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 they realize that Ant-Man, as a film, they realize that Ant-Man should be directed by Edgar Wright. Yeah. They're not hiring Zack Snyder to make True. Ant-Man the machoist but, action you know, hero ever. But, you know, I mean, look, uh, DC's uh, Shazam, Captain Marvel, I think that's a great thing that should eventually happen. I think that's a very cool – there's cool lore to that, and it worked well on Saturday morning. However, you know, there's also a Captain Marvel in Marvel Comics. There's Marvel. They're never going to do that. If no. you've ever read any of those comics, they're friggin' weird. They take place in a whole cosmic dimension where all kinds of bizarre crap goes on. It's, it's even more weird than Green Lantern on the DC side. Never going to happen. So at a certain point, you know, they really have to – they're going to kind of hit the wall a little bit, I think. But anyway. Well, the thing is that it's Green Lantern, who I, I would consider like a high B player, if his movie sucks, then they can't just rely on the top-tier guys. They've got to take each of these seriously. And they almost have – more of a responsibility for the B or C level characters because people who don't know who they are, yep. they've got to really find a writer, find a director who's going to make that interesting. And last email here. Uh, any ins- This is from um, Eric. No last name. Any insight as to why we have yet to see the Tom Cavanaugh, Julie Bowen show Ed appear on DVD or any streaming devices for that matter? Thanks for the hours of entertainment. I, I think the, the reason is, is the same for most of those shows, music rights. Uh, I think there are probably music rights issues that have completely held everything up. Uh, David Letterman's company produced that show, and I cannot imagine that David Letterman, of all people, would uh, withhold something that could be generating gigantic uh, DVD and Blu-ray profits and even streaming profits. So there has to be a reason, and that reason is almost consistently music rights. And what's funny is, you know, Julie Bowen, of course, is now on Modern Family, which has become amazingly popular. Exactly. So you would think that there'd be some. Now, Ed yep. Kavanaugh or Tom Kavanaugh, he's disappeared and everyone else disappeared. Okay, wait. Here we go. Wait, no, no, no. I took the uh, marshmallow. Now, this one is not frozen. Okay. This, this one came from my cookie jar. Yeah. So I can take a am spoon. I have to get, am I going to goop on my fingers? We've got to talk no. about DVDs. We're no. 14 minutes into this show. Who cares? Okay. It's all about cookies. Okay. Plus, I want to give these cookies away because so, uh, I don't like them and I want people to eat them. Now, you try the cookie. No, no, just eat the thing. Oh. I took a spoon and I put the... Jesus H. Christ. So, I took a spoon and I removed the marshmallow. Mm. Okay, now try that one. Now, what, now, wait. What do you think of that cookie, the marshmallowless cookie? Better. Really? Better. So, you don't mind that cookie? Not so much. Really? Interesting. You want, a, you want another 20 of them? Because I don't like them. Yeah, maybe. Okay, <laughs> so... You know what? I'm going to hit some foreign films here, Mark. Yes. I'm going to let you deal with the with the, with the music stuff because that's your expertise. And uh, I'm going to first recommend. Jeez, I got to get some more water. These things are like it's like glue. It really is like. But it's not the sugar that's making you thirsty. It's the it's the uh, it's the it's marshmallow. The thickness. The thickness. I'm, I'm suckling a bottle of Elmer's glue. Okay. Uh, footnote is uh, Joseph Sidar's Oscar-nominated uh, Israeli film from just this last year, and uh, you know Joseph Sidar is a really really fascinating director. Uh, he is a very, very orthodox Jew. And, um, a Just lo- like me. And you know, oh yeah, you're real orthodox. <laughs> and that, uh, that really informs his work in a, in a very fascinating way. Uh, footnote is, is the, story, uh, the story of two rabbinic scholars, father and son. 
and this fascinating rivalry and competition between them over who is ultimately uh, more respected and, you know, how the son finally attains the respect that the father never received. Really, really fascinating movie. Unbelievably entertaining. You, you would think... Uh, yeah, I'm going to pass on that. But but you shouldn't. You really should watch this. It is just so fascinating because everything about it that's cool transcends religion. And it's a little bit uh, informed by uh, Siddhar's own life as his father was something of a significant figure. Not so much in a religious sense, but kind of a more uh, a military political sense. And uh, this movie is just so wonderful, so well made, so well written, so beautifully acted. I loved every single second of it. It is out on Blu-ray from uh, Sony. And, uh, you know, not one of those movies that's just going to, like, light up your television on Blu-ray, but really very nicely done. Much better job of photography that comes through on the Blu-ray once you, you watch it on Blu-ray. Really, really cool. Um, also worth watching is a Korean film called My Way. Not to be confused with the French film, also called My Way, which is uh, totally different and uh, bound to be coming out in the next year or so. This is a war film, like tons and tons and tons of Korean films. Uh, they are still obsessed with their uh, with the Korean War, for obvious reasons. It's why we make uh, Civil War movies and World War II movies for Korea. It's all about the, uh, the Korean War, and it still is just a really sore spot. And uh, this is one of the better ones that I've seen. Uh, tai Guk Gi is a better film in most regards. If you haven't seen Tai Guk Gay uh, from, gosh, what, about seven years ago, seven or eight years ago, that is an, an unbelievable epic. Um, this is comparable and uh, certainly uh, kind of makes a nice twofer with that film. Uh, director Kang GQ, if I'm hopefully not destroying his name, uh, there's an interview on here with him and a little behind-the-scenes uh, featurette thing, but the... Um, uh, the Blu-ray is a dazzler. This is from Wellgo, who's been releasing a, a lot of Asian-themed stuff, a lot of martial arts stuff, and uh, they've been going a little bit out of that lately. And uh, this is obviously not martial arts, but very much in the in their vein of, uh, of period Asian films. And it just is a gorgeous, gorgeous Blu-ray. Uh, Wellgo does superb work on their Blu-rays, and this is just one of the best that I've seen. So, uh, a fantastically big, epic, powerful war film. Not the best that I've seen, but really, really good if you, if you love the genre. And uh, then I'll let Mark do a few music things in a second. Uh, we got a great Eclipse collection here. This is Eclipse Series 34. I can't believe we've gotten to 34 so fast. This is Jean... They Gr grow up so fast. Wait. I know they do, don't they? Jean Grémillon, During the Occupation. Uh, this is three films, Remorque, Lumière d'été, and Le Ciel est à vous. Remorque and Mindy? You know, uh, Jean Camillon is a, is a French filmmaker who came from the same era in the 40s. He, he's kind of a contemporary of Renoir and overlaps uh, maybe a little bit with uh, Melville. But uh, he's, he's not, you know, sort of one of those world-class filmmakers that everybody knows about, everybody studies. But really interesting movies and uh, really interesting background on this guy. I was relatively unfamiliar with him. I kind of knew the name a little bit. These three films are all made uh, before, during, and around the occupation of France, which makes them very, very interesting. Uh, the first one, Remorque, or Remorque, R-E-M-O-R-Q-U-E-S, uh, stars Jean Gabin, the same brilliant Jean Gabin as in Renoir's Grand Illusion, uh, as a tugboat captain, and um, the, 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 it's, a, it's kind of an adventure, but it's sort of an existential adventure. Um, very interesting stuff. And Le Ciel est à vous, the third one I also think is, is really interesting. Um, stars an actress named Madeleine Renault, uh, who becomes a um, very successful aviator. 
And then the, the middle film is a slightly uh, a little more, a little less interesting. But all in all, it's a great box set, really interesting films. And uh, especially for people who are fans of French films from that, um, that occupation period, which, you know, the most famous one of those films is obviously Children of Paradise. But, you know, this sort of uh, gives you a richer context to the period. That is so true. Yep. Yes, Wade? No, go ahead. Oh, is it my turn now? Yeah, it's your turn now. Great. Okay. Um, we're, ho- we're hopscotching here. We're, you know. Hopscotch with, uh, some, some with, with Walter some Matthau. Music, some foreign, some music, some foreign, some music. Let's do some music. Why not? Blu-ray, Slipknot, Sicknesses. This is uh, Slipknot live at uh, Download. The Download uh, Festival was in uh, 2009. Slipknot, not my favorite band. Uh, they do have an interesting history. They're from Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, I don't like their music because uh, I think they're crazy. But the, uh, the Blu-ray includes a 45-minute film that documents the tour that they were on during the download show. And, you know, a year after this uh, concert, the band's uh, bassist died. And that was – he died of an overdose of morphine. And uh, so it was kind of a controversy as to whether the band would continue – um, which, of course, they, uh, they basically uh, have. They were touring in, uh, in 2011. But, um, you know, it's pretty good looking. Again, it's very loud, and uh, they're not my favorite band. But if you like Slipknot, check out Slipknot Live at Download. Also, we have a very, very good documentary by Kevin McDonald called Marley. Now, you know what? Uh, oh, this is a really good film. You know, not a lot of not a lot is known about um, Bob Marley. You know, there has not been really a, a biopic on him of any True. note. Uh, but this two and a half hour documentary by uh, Kevin McDonald is just terrific. You know, uh, the movie is kind of a bit warts and all. I mean, Marley was definitely a disciplinarian, and Ziggy Marley and Ziggy's sister both talk about that. Uh, there's also information here about how Marley, who died of cancer, basically didn't have to. He pretty much ignored the the advice of his doctors who said he should I check know. out this cancer in his foot. And, of so course, sad. Marley didn't want to have the cancer in his foot uh, treated by surgery because then he couldn't dance on stage. I know. And then he winds up dying of, of late stage inoperable cancer. Awesome. So Marley... Uh, by Kevin McDonald, a terrific documentary. It is very highly recommended. Really liked it a lot. Uh, good special features on it, including a commentary by Kevin McDonald and Ziggy Marley. So um, for those who uh, love reggae, Bob Marley is a must-watch. For those who, who don't like reggae, I would probably recommend this too, only because Marley's story is very interesting. So uh, definitely well recommended is that. Um, also kind of recommended is Peter Gabriel on Blu-ray, Secret World Live. Now, Peter Gabriel, of course, uh, it was started out in, um, in Genesis, and then he went on his own. And he's great. He has continued to be great. This thing was filmed last year where he's kind of, you know, he's kind of past his prime a little bit. But still, there's a lot of good uh, songs here. I, the thing is that a lot of the songs he sings on this one, Secret World Live, is newer stuff, and I think people really care about the older stuff. In fact, Red Rain from his album So is only included here as a bonus track on the Blu-ray. So otherwise you get Sledgehammer, and you do have Salisbury Hill. Um, but a lot of this stuff, again, is uh, is kind of newer stuff. Uh, Peter Gabriel's Secret World Live. Uh, Fela Kuti. Now, Fela Kuti is a, uh, is a, is a pretty hardcore and very uh, popular and respected uh, world musician. He's Nigerian. He plays a whole lot of instruments. And here we have a do- uh, documentary and concert called Fela Kuti, Teacher Don't Teach Me Nonsense. This is uh, the concert here is from 1978. He plays a mean tenor sax and as a, uh, as, as, as a, as a, uh, a permanent intermediate on the tenor sax. The guy's amazing. You know what would really suck? If, if with a name like Fella, you're all, you always think people are calling you. If somebody says, hey, Fella, 
you're always turning around and saying what? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking to me. It, wait, that would be a real bummer. It, wait, is this on? Hello. Is, 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 is Hello. This on? Okay. Hello. Anyway, uh, fellow Kuti, if you're into world music, got to check this out. Um, Jay Z, he's inspiration to Jay Z, which of course no one loves Jay Z more than I do. Anyway, um, <laughs> although you know what, I I I, I do like. <laughs> yeah, you and Jay Z. We're like we're like you, this. You, go, you go thugging together. You know what? Oh, yeah. uh, I do like that New York song. The one that New York song with, oh, the, with, the, with the girl, I forgot her name, whoever he sings it with. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that sounds cool. Yeah. I dig it. Actually, you know what? I take that back. The choruses where they go, New York, da-da-da, New York. Yeah. That's awesomely cool. A huge bass line, yeah. really super cool. Yeah. The rest of it is like rapping. I don't care about that. Okay. <laughs> um, but I do love the chorus. Totally cool. Uh, all right. Ozzy Osbourne, Speak of the Devil. This is uh, Ozzy Osbourne, of course. This was done in 1982, mm-hmm. long before Ozzy became a freak. And uh, it's a great concert. You know, all of his hits are here. Uh, you know, Crazy Train is here. Suicide Solution is here. Paranoid is here. Iron Man. So uh, this is a great concert. He was totally in peak form in 1982. Great stuff from, uh, you know, there's solo stuff here. There's Black Sabbath stuff here. It's a DVD. It's not a Blu-ray, so it looks basically fine. You know, again, it's not a Blu-ray, and it's from 1982. So don't watch this for the visual. Watch it because uh, you want to see Ozzy in his prime. Yep. The uh, my number one music pick of the week is a little thing called Muddy Waters, the Rolling Stones Checkerboard Lounge Live Chicago 1981. I don't know what order I should read that in. Um, anyway, in 1981, it's uh, never clear exactly what the <laughs> title. You know, the, it's like these, a very the, long title. Well, these mu- a lot of these music uh, releases have like the, like four layers to their titles, and they lay them out graphically. So that you never really actually know what the title is. And then when they send us the press release, the press release is even more confusing because the press release will list them in a different order at different places in the release. And so you're, you're like, I, I'm sorry, I have no idea what the actual title of this, this DVD is. Well, here's the thing. If you love blues or you love the Rolling Stones, this is a must, must, must rent, if not buy. The Rolling Stones were on a huge tour in uh, 1981, and they came to Chicago. They, they, they were going to play three nights at the, at the Rosemont Horizon. And they, uh, they decided to visit Muddy Waters' club at the Checkerboard Lounge. And they Sweet. wound up sitting in on a concert. And there's like, there's almost 30 songs on this thing. Everything from blues classics like Manish Boy to, and Hoochie Coochie Man. There's some, uh, uh, there's some Rolling Stone stuff in here, too. Mm-hmm. This is great, great, great stuff. Again, this is a, a DVD. So don't worry about it uh, not looking great. And, of course, it's a DVD of a concert that's 30 years old. But I'm telling you. This stuff is fantastic. I love this thing. Muddy Waters, the Rolling Stones, Checkerboard Lounge, Live Chicago, 1981. I love this uh, DVD. This is great stuff. Check it out. All right. I, here we go. We're going to finish off uh, Foreign in a Whirlwind, Mark. A Whirlwind. Are you ready for this? No. Okay. Takashi Miike's 13 Assassins was, if you didn't know it, based on an older Japanese film from 1963, also called 13 Assassins, by the director Aichi Kudo. And that is now out in a fantastic, beautiful black and white anamorphic widescreen uh, DVD from Animago. Should be Blu-ray. Really should be. Uh, so get hold of the people at Animago and tell them Blu-ray that sucker because we want to see that uh, in high def. Anyway, it's not in high def, but it is an absolutely sensational film. Exactly the same story. Um, and I always love the warnings on the Animago uh, discs. This one, this one contains a warning. It says, warning contains violence and strategy. 
It's great. Um, In other words, if you're stupid, this team might offend you just as much as if you don't like violence. It's great. Anyway, uh, fantastic cast, fantastic photography, beautiful, beautiful black and white stuff, really well staged, just an enormous amount of fun. Uh, Some some of the best two hours you'll ever spend watching a movie. Really just great great samurai stuff. Uh, Also a great French film called Making Plans for Lena from Christophe Honoré. This is a terrific classically French uh, family drama starring the, uh, the gorgeous Chiara Mastroianni, who I think has just gotten so much better as she's gotten older. Uh, of course, she is the daughter of Catherine Deneuve and Marcello Mastroianni, so no, no, problem, genes. no problem with the genes there. By the way, she's got a new movie coming out with her mom called Beloved, which is coming out in uh, about a week and a half. What? I have not seen it yet, but I hear it's superb. Oh, I've seen it. Have you seen it? No. Okay. <laughs> Tim saw it on Friday. Oh, did he like yeah, it? Yeah, he liked it a lot. Yeah. Good. So anyway, uh, she here plays Lena, and uh, Lena is a little bit screwed up. She, um, it, you know, she is the weak link in the in the family stability, and uh, it's a it's a really great performance. It's a difficult performance, but definitely worth uh, worth checking out if you like those uh, those French family dramas about dysfunctional people and people who can't get jobs and struggle to keep their families together and all that jazz. Another French film, The Hedgehog, uh, from a film Sonic like- the Hedgehog. No. This would be a French film. Uh, yes, yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog. I have never read the book, The Elegance of the Hedgehog, that this apparently is based on. But this is, it stars Josiane, Josiane Belasco, not in the lead necessarily, but uh, you know, uh, she's good in it. And uh, the director, Mona uh, Ashash, I guess is how you would pronounce her name. Not bad. The movie didn't blow me away. It's basically uh, all from the point of view of a little girl, played by Garance Le Guermic. Good grief! I can't. Don't even you that speak one. French? Um, but it's a, it's a. She's a little girl. She's kind of suicidal, and she uses her uh, her video camera to uh, you know show how all of the adults in her world are all just ma- majorly screwed up. Anyway, and then it gets into kind of a quaint little uh, quaint little children's twist later on uh, that lightens the proceedings a bit. But overall, I still found it uh, kind of cloying in a way I mean I didn't dislike it I like chunks of it but it's not you know not my ideal movie uh, and then we also have uh, Aki Karazmaki's Le Havre or Le Havre which uh, is a uh, director sanctioned Blu-ray release from Criterion uh, now Karazmaki normally we would just go oh it's Criterion gotta get it just uh, any of them but Karazmaki is odd and uh, even his um even his most accessible movies tend to be inaccessible to a lot of people. So take this with a grain of salt. If you love Karazmaki, you'll really love this. This is his whole weird, deadpan, dry humor. Uh, you know, those Finns, I guess it's too cold there because they're just they're kind of consistently weird people, aren't they? Well, because uh, I, it's almost like being inbred. Finnish people tend to only hang out with like other Finnish people. You know what? There, there are all kinds of um, uh, genetic illnesses that are, that are unique to the Finns because of the small gene pool. Did you know that? Well, it's the same thing with with Iceland. You know, when you go to because yeah. I've been to Iceland, yeah. all those guys are very isolated. Yeah, because they're so the country is isolated. They don't get a lot of visitors. Yeah. Although I went and I got drunk. Well, anyway, uh, this basically is. It doesn't take place in Finland. It takes place in uh, in France, as you might assume from the uh, the title, uh, in the harbor city uh, of the title Le Havre. And it's about a, uh, a French guy and an African immigrant and um, they, this weird little shaggy dog. Um, Adventure that uh, that they kind of both get drawn into. Um, it, you know, it's it's a it's a peculiar film and uh, it's nicely done, but I wouldn't recommend it for all tastes. 
What I would recommend for all tastes is Visconti's absolutely brilliant film conversation piece, otherwise known as Gruppo de Familia in on Interno. There's my Wait, what, groping your family? Exactly. Oh, Gruppo hey, de Familia. I, I, I speak French. I don't speak Italian. I've got to learn Italian someday. Anyway, this is, uh, this is a terrific film, really great, from Raro Video, which you can find out more about at uh, rarovideousa.com. Uh, it's on Blu-ray and on DVD. This is a great film starring Burt Lancaster as a, um, an American professor who's kind of uh, living a very solitary life in this uh, Italian, this palazzo in, Ita- in, uh, in Rome, and uh, enter this uh, peculiar Marquis lady and uh, her daughter and her daughter's boyfriend who kind of then they take a room in the palazzo and everything goes haywire and I compare this in some respects to um, The Servant the Joseph Losey film The Servant sure in the sense of here's a guy in a house which is everything's all fine and lonely until you add you know this combustible collection of characters and everything gets weird and freaky really really cool very similar in theme but this one is just gorgeously photographed in, uh, in color, and uh, the Blu-ray is stunning. This is from 1974. It's over two hours long. Feels like it's about 85 minutes. It just moves so beautifully. And if you don't know Visconti, this is a great way to discover him. There's not enough Visconti out on, uh, on Blu-ray and DVD. Still, a real, real emptiness in terms of a lot of those great Italian movies, and this, is, uh, this fills the void very nicely. And then we've got The Turin Horse, which may be the very last film by Bellatar, the... Uh, the famous Hungarian filmmaker who makes films that are extremely artful, very long, not really about much, incredibly boring. Uh, some of them are obviously less boring than others. We've praised a lot of them on this show, including uh, the Berkmeister Harmonies, which is a really fine film. Uh, the Turin Horse is... Um, <laughs> this is an almost impossible film to describe. Well, here's what Bellatar did. You know, there's um, a very famous story about Friedrich Nietzsche coming out of his uh, Italian villa in Turin and seeing a guy punch a horse, and Nietzsche was so horrified that he proceeded to go back inside and lost his mind. And this, this speculates as to what happened. How did the horse get there? So basically, you have this very weird movie that involves um, everything that happened to the horse before that, which is that there's this guy and, his, and his, his, you know, his daughter, and they bring the horse back, and they feed the horse, and it's in the stables, and they eat. And effectively, nothing happens in this movie. There's like there are like some gypsies that show up at a certain point, but otherwise it's just it's like this interminable beautiful photography for you know two hours. Was and that horse, Mister Ed? It was, in fact. Uh, it's just gorgeously photographed, but nothing happens. You just sit there and you go, "That is so artful looking." No, no, and no, I no. Really no. don't care. A lot happens if you're one of those like head up your butt art lovers. Yeah. And well, by the way, I can be one of those head up your head up your butt art I lovers, know. but uh, I think this goes beyond the pale for it, me. It sure does. And then from all of films, we have a couple of, uh, a couple of Godard films here. Well, I don't want to call them films. A couple of Godard releases. One is Numéro 2, which means number two. Uh, not in the sense that, you know, you might think if you have a dirty mind. This is from 1975. And the other one is from 1976, Ici et ailleurs, here and there. Uh, or here and elsewhere, either way. And uh, this is, uh, if you know Godard, you know that by the 70s, he, he lost it. He was just doing abstract, weird, off-the-wall stuff. And uh, this is, the, the latter one especially, he made it when he was, he created this thing called the Ziga Vertov Group. Now, Ziga Vertov, Ziga Vertov literally means in Russian, spinning top. Ziga Vertov is a Russian director from the silent period who changed his name to spinning top and made things like Man with a Movie Camera. Which are just these weird, abstract. The man with the movie camera just uh, was that not just named uh, one of the uh, Sight and Sounds top yeah, ten? Big deal. 
Uh, I For hate, some reason, I, I hate that list. It's got the vertigo on the top now. Come on, stop! I, ver- I love vertigo. I, that was weird. But number one, forget it. That was weird. Although you know what's dumb. interesting? Can I say what's interesting about that mm. poll is that you're getting some of these older critics who are aging out. I know. But and so you would think that the top ten would start to reflect the ages of the younger critics. And of course, when it comes to the sight and sound poll, when we say younger, we mean like you know fifty. Yeah. But no. really, it's if nothing else, the sight and sound poll is not becoming more poppy. It's, no, it's actually not. becoming more obscure. It is. Well, anyway, here here we have. Uh, this was originally commissioned as something that was sort of going to be something of a propaganda film for the Palestinian cause in 1976. Uh, it doesn't really wind up that way. As a look at the Palestinian people uh, or Palestine itself at the time, it's just kind of abstract and very much what Ziga Vertov would have approved of. So that's not necessarily complimenting it. But if you like this phase in Godard's career, you'll probably love it. And uh, Numero Deux is, uh, well, kind of a, it's sort of a remake of Breathless, allegedly. Um, you know, Jay Hoberman at the time in the Village Voice was quote, quoted as calling it uh, something like a masterpiece, which is, uh, <laughs> it's kind of... My cookie was something like pretty good. Yeah, I, I don't consider that a really huge compliment. Um, it, it, it's basically putting two TV monitors next to each other, and I just, you you, you know... You watch it and you kind of go, I don't get it. What are you trying to do? Um, maybe some people do, but look, this is a phase in Godard's career when he was just going totally off the wall. A lot of people love it. I'm not into it, but, you know, take that as you may. Take that resume? Take, don't take it as you may. Understood. Take it as you may. Maybe I will. And uh, then uh, Tomboy, real quickly, is a terrific movie about a young girl who has uh, gender issues and uh, disguises, after they've moved, she disguises herself as a boy and proceeds to live as a boy. And uh, there's a certain, there's kind of, you know, there's a, uh, she essentially falls in love with another girl but doesn't want to tell the girl that she's not a boy. And uh, this is not Tootsie. This is a really, really interesting film about gender identity, um, one of the most uh, well-thought and, and emotionally detailed films on the subject I have ever seen. This is from the uh, director Celine Siama, who uh, previously did Water Lilies, another great movie about uh, kind of sexual identity and youth, and uh, a very, very well-made film, beautifully acted, uh, unbelievably well-acted by this uh, the young actress who stars in it, Zoe Eran. Uh, really just a first-rate French drama, incredibly well done, very sensitive. That's from Wolf Video. Definitely check that one out. And, Mark, one more? Oh, yes, you know, uh, Johnny Toe. I like him. A lot of great films. I like Johnny Toe. He's so, he's so prolific. That's yep. what I love about him. Love Well, you know what? Well, so is Mike, but I think both wind up being pretty, you know, when you're that, it's like Mike. When you're that prolific, you strike out a lot of times, but you also hit out of the park a lot of times. And, and for a Toe, who doesn't like Election? That's awesome. Who doesn't like Breaking News? Love that one, too. This one, Life Without Principle, is uh, it's a bit of a departure for him, only because it has a lot of the thriller elements that we have come to expect from him, but it takes place in the milieu. Wait, uh-huh. <laughs> it's oh, a yeah. French word. Oh, yeah. Of, um, of the economic, like the world economic disaster. Basically, he's taking a very uh, contemporary, you know, headline, ripped from the headlines story and using that to mount this tale. And I don't know. Mount? Yes. Yes, I did. Not not sermon. Now, you didn't mean sermon on the mount. 
you meant the mounting in a sexual I, sense. I'm, I'm going to put that out there. I'm going to leave you to, to define however you wanted to use that word. Exactly. So um, I, I did. I don't know that uh, you know because the, the the one thing when Toad does this, I don't know that I always buy it because like with breaking news. He had a great opportunity to comment on the state of media at the time, and he sort of, although he occasionally did, he sort of really didn't go to the finish line on that, take that idea to the finish line. Here in life with that principle, there's definitely some information about the housing market and the economic crunch and the city dwellers who are trying to kind of you know live amongst this like this market uncertainty. But again, I don't know that he really necessarily cares that much about it as Probably much not. as he's looking for like a headline grabbing little hook for his new movie. Um, and plus, also, I have to say that a lot of the uh, financial uh, dialogue here doesn't really translate well. So I'm kind of reading it going, what? What is that? Huh? What's happening in Hong Kong? I'm mm. confused. Um, anyway, so this is not one of his best films, but uh, I do like Johnny Toe a lot. So it's, if, you're, if you're a Toe fan also, I would definitely give this a rental, uh, not a buy. All right. We don't have many new films this week. Uh, new films have been uh, slow in coming out in DVD and Blu-ray lately because the, in the home video arena, the home entertainment arena, just like in the theatrical arena, everybody has been scared to death of The Dark Knight. They, they, they've just been running away. Nobody actually wants to be an alternative to going to see The Dark Knight. Which is and, bizarre because and, well, we all know I think, what's happening. I think also because of the Olympics. Seriously. Then they've been doing very well. Yeah, they've been, they, they, the ratings on the Olympics have just been through the roof. And By uh, the way, that Ryan Lochte... He's dreamy. <laughs> Girls love Brian Lockley. Although, you know what? Kind of, here's the thing. Take off the grills. I mean, who the... I mean, do you just stop it with the grills? You know, he wanted to go up on the podium wearing those, those phony teeth, like the grills. What? You don't know about this? No. So, you know what grills are, right? Uh, grills are these... Uh, there's, they're these phony teeth, and they're... they're, you know, they're you know, rappers wear them. They're diamond-studded, right. or they're colored, and they wear them... On their on their uh, on their upper teeth, yeah, okay, and it looks like just like one big tooth, but it's usually bedazzled. Or again, if you're a rapper, it's diamond studded. Okay, well, Lochte wanted to wear one of those on the podium as he received his first medal. Why? And the Olympic because he because he loves rap music. I have to say, here's the thing with okay. here's, the, here's the thing with Ryan Lochte. Although I totally get how girls love him, yeah. and he's he's a pretty freaking handsome guy. Yeah, I have to admit, uh, I he's coming across as kind of a jerk. Yeah, he is kind of. Huh? He is coming across as a jerk, yeah. and not just because what his mother said about the one night stand. Because I, be- I do believe that the mother was a little bit clueless. Yeah. Like I, I'm sure, he, sure, I'm sure that Ryan Ryan probably dates a lot, but you can tell he loves he loves douchebag music. He wears those stupid grills. He dates all. I mean, I just that guy is just not yeah. likable. I'm telling right. you. He and the thing is that that's going to hurt him, because even though he's won a, a decent amount of medals at the Olympics, I mean, he's done good for himself. You know, all things being equal, better than you or I. Uh, I think when it comes to endorsements. And it comes to widespread mainstream love, I don't think he's going to get it because yeah. I think there's an unlikable sheen about him. It was almost like when Michael Phelps got busted for pot. That when when he got busted for pot, that really True. kind it, of it put a damper. It put a damper on him. Well, we're talking now about you don't care about the Olympics. You hate America. <laughs> Why do you hate America, Wade? <laughs> we're, the the bottom line is new movies are having a tough time right now because of all the other stuff going on. But we have a few of them. Here's a few things came out this week, and uh, boy, is this a weird one. This is just from left field. The Whisperer in Darkness. If any of you are H.P. Lovecraft fans out there, you undoubtedly know about this. I'm not huge on Lovecraft. I know a little bit, you know. Uh, but this apparently was written in 1931. And the H.P. Uh, Lovecraft Historical Society 
uh, is behind this adaptation of the of that classic film. They've done it in a very old school way using a process that they call mythoscope. Don't know what that is. Apparently, it's just something that makes it look old, and that's fine. It's cool. It has a certain uh, creepy, uh, you know, David Lynchian kind of. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? No, it's, it's, it's like Guy Madden. It, very Guy Madden, exactly. It's a very Guy Madden kind of a look, Lynchian look, a little bit like the Elephant Man crossed with, you know, any Guy Madden film. Uh, except for that last one, which just didn't look like a Guy Madden film as much as I wanted. But anyway, um, you know, it's it, it's interesting. It's, an, it's ambitious. Um, I don't know that it's really scary and creepy in that sense. It's Now, this is very much about, you know, this is very much a whole kind of Anything Lovecraft is, is inexplicable. It's, it's meant to be kind of science fiction and horror and uh, deeply psychologically disturbing on all kinds of levels. Um, a little bit also like, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the, Star Wars. No, no. The, 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 like, well, there's a kind of Cronenbergian quality to this as well, but uh, Naked Lunch. Naked Lunch. There's a little Naked Lunch, uh, a little bit of Naked Lunch in this too. So anyway, I, I don't know. This is on Blu-ray. It's a beautiful Blu-ray, but really an acquired taste. If you're not a Lovecraft fan, you're not going to get it. But it's out there, The Whisperer in Darkness. And that uh, comes to us courtesy of the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society. Go to uh, CthulhuLives.org if you want more, more information. That's Cthulhu with a C, Mark. Clandathu from Cthulhu, Starship Troopers? Cthulhu with a C. And then the, uh, the only really major release of the week, uh, as far as recent films, Mark, why don't you tell us about this thing called the Lorax from somebody named Dr. Seuss? Yes, we have Dr. Seuss. By the way, uh, the Lord, Dr. Seuss is the Lorax, which uh, is available in a... Um and a uh, Blu-ray case of a color I've never seen. This is some sort of an orange. <laughs> this is an orange color, so it will stick out. And uh, the Lorax is uh, not my favorite. Actually, you know, I have to say, not a lot of these Dr. Seuss film adaptations, uh, uh, at least recently, have done very well. Um, this one is, is it looks bright. It's very colorful. The kids will probably like that. I consider it pretty charmless. Um, not my favorite. Uh, you know, Danny DeVito plays uh, the Lorax. It's kind of like a kind of like a bizarro version of Hugo, you know, you know, you know, where, where children have to kind of, you know, remember and preserve, you know, the, the you know, the treasures of the world. But um, I just think that a lot of these uh, Dr. Seuss films are trading too much on the Dr. Seuss name and the ability of CGI to make things bright and pretty. So uh, I find that kind of disappointing. I have to say. But again, it looks great, even though it's just like, you know, just has all sorts of crazy. It's just, it just puffed up with a lot of crap that I don't really care about. I'd rather read the book. Um, anyway, this is a, a two-disc combo pack. There's a couple of uh, mini-movies in here. There's a making of the mini-movies. There's a deleted scene. There's a, uh, a useless uh, Seuss-to-screen featurette. And, uh, you know, I just feel like I don't know that Dr. Seuss would necessarily even be on board with these. I just feel like, you know, they would they would feel they don't have that childlike whimsy. The charm is just basically just movies to get kids to shut up in a theater for 90 minutes. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm not a child. I never really read Dr. Seuss as a child. I was, uh, you know, other kids were reading Dr. Seuss and I was I kind of felt like Seuss didn't give me what I needed from literature, you know. So I was reading, you know, Chekhov and Dostoevsky and You were not. Yeah, well, I'd like to believe I was. Okay, anyway. So I this actually, is I was actually watching Babar. 
<laughs> you know. Anyway, so the Lorax is uh, it's uh, it's it's noisy and it's long and uh, it looks nice and it's got a very nice environmental message for the kids. But otherwise, I think it's pretty uh, good, it's good, pretty good, bad. good, good for the kids. Freaking kids. You know, uh, we're going to talk about our catalog releases now. A lot of catalog releases this week, most of them from Olive, but this one is from Paramount. And uh, the, a lot of the Olive stuff comes from Paramount's library, but this is one that Paramount apparently felt, no, we want to put this one out ourselves, which is curious, because all of the really good stuff winds up being licensed by Olive. And uh, Clue, the movie, boy, you know, uh, decades before everybody started turning Hasbro's idiotic games into movies, uh, I mean, we've got Monopoly, the motion picture, that's still, I think, on somebody's list, has been for years. We've had Battleship, friggin' Transformers. I mean, all, you know, toys and games should, just shouldn't be movies. You know why I like this movie? But Clue be- because, um, was the uh, first. Because Colleen Camp was uh, beautiful in that She played the French maid. Well, here's the thing. Jonathan Lynn, who directed this, very talented director, really a funny guy. I mean, Jonathan Lynn has done some uh, amazingly funny stuff, including My Cousin Vinny, and, you know, really, really good stuff. Um, But Clue, the movie, didn't really work for me. And uh, I've tried to figure out why for so many years, because it is one of those sort of ensemble conceits from the 1980s that I would have liked. Martin Mull, for crying out loud. You know, how do you not like... I mean, Tim Curry, come on. Uh, Christopher Lloyd, before he became an overacting freak. It just... There's it, a lot of stuff in it. Leslie Ann Warren. I mean, a lot of great people in here that I should have really loved. And yet, for some reason, I don't like it. Uh, Michael McKeon, you know. You could go on and on and on. Madeline Kahn. I mean, it's just... It's, it's like a who's who... Eileen Brennan. It's a who's who of just great actors from the period. It's a cast that should have just screamed, we are a hit movie. And for whatever reason, it didn't. Now, the conceit here was there were three different endings to the movie. And you can watch four different endings on the Blu-ray. The trilogy ending or endings A, B, and C. Well, here's the thing. They, you know, they different ex- people did it in each one. Is well, the thing. yeah. They expected you to literally see this movie three times so that, so that you can see all three endings. Yeah, which didn't really happen. Because people, people barely wanted to see it once. Yeah. Well, they, well they're like, you know, am I really going to sit through all uh, 85 minutes of this movie just to see how the last minute differs, you know? I mean, that that's sort of the thing. Am I really going to do that just to, just to see if they, how they, oh, look, they, they did a little, a little thing and they tweaked it and it's different this time. Not, not interesting. Uh, it doesn't really work. But it's on Blu-ray. Uh, it's a very good Blu-ray transfer, I have to say. I didn't think this film was all that well shot at the time. Uh, when I, I, My recollection of it was it was kind of, uh, kind of overlit and oversaturated and uh, a little bit grainy, but uh, they did a nice job on Blu-ray. It's not the, the noise reduction isn't excessive, and it's sort of uh, it has a nice film look to it. So uh, you know, good good job there, I'll say. Will you now, Wade? Will you say that? Yes, I will say that. Uh, Federal Men is a uh, is a show that has been unearthed from the vaults from the good people at uh, Film Chest. This is a show that was on in the 50s, from 1950 to 1955, and this is all about... It's actually based on a show called Treasury Men in Action, and this is... Uh, it's kind of like, like Dragnet or, yeah. or The Untouchables or sure. the FBI, whatever. And it's all about... It takes, it's all real-life U.S. Treasury crime cases, you know, bootleggers and smugglers and whatnot. And uh, every week, there was another exciting adventure. And here we have 16 episodes of uh, Federal Men. I... Think the sh- I you know I, I obviously I was not alive when the show came out so I had to check this out on DVD. I think the show is pretty terrible. Uh, the scripts are really melodramatic and they just don't hold up, and it's just it's very cheesy. So I, I really, in fact, some of the stuff is kind of unintentionally funny. But uh, Federal Men uh, three disc collector set uh, is available on DVD for those who happen to know what it is. Okay, <laughs> uh, but otherwise I'd pass. 
Uh, the, you know, this is on Blu-ray, a movie called Blue Like Jazz. Shouldn't be on Blu-ray, shouldn't be on DVD, shouldn't have been made. This is a big deal book for some people. This was on, I guess, a, a New York Times bestseller movie that just uh, blew a lot of people away. It, basically about, you know, like uh, uh, Christian hippies. I, I mean, the whole idea here is that you got... And it's funny because the... Um, uh, we've had a number of films in the last few years about sort of religious identity and rediscovering religion and, and so forth. You know, um, uh, Higher Ground? Higher Ground being Love the... Love that movie. Oh, it's a great movie. I mean, that's the one that sort of defines this. And uh, this one is like a really bad version of that. Um, it, it's an auto, the book was autobiographical uh, and uh, sort of all about the author's um, spiritual journey when at 19 years old... He decides to just kind of bail on his uh, hyper-religious uh, upbringing in Texas and uh, goes to this place called Reed College, which is in the uh, Pacific Northwest. And it's very, you know, it's like very left-wing and hippie. And, uh, uh, you know, it's a totally, it's a, like a totally new experience, man. And it, uh, it's like, you know, discovering your faith through a new lens of uh, progressivism. And you know what? It might be interesting if this movie were even remotely well made. It's terribly made. It is like badly acted, horribly photographed. Everything about it is just dismal and dingy and awful. And I feel bad because it's on Blu-ray and they put a lot of work into the Blu-ray and they pack this thing up with extras and there's featurettes galore and people just talking about the movie and the book and what it was like making the movie and directing the actors and there's a commentary with everybody packed in, including the cinematographer whose work is horrible. And I feel bad ridiculing this because it's just the movie sucks. It's unwatchable. It's just unwatchable. It's like they went through all this work for nothing. It's just horrible. Did you like it? It's terrible. (laughs) Uh, Wade, you got two uh, Blu-rays from Derek Jarman. Derek Jarman, of course, is a uh, or was a uh, one of the great, uh, almost one of the first kind of queer filmmakers we, we, of the seventies. We talked about him uh, what a week or two ago. So yes, yeah. he made a lot of really interesting yeah. films. I I don't know that I liked all of his films, but I respected them enormously, and I think that he he uh, he really blazed a trail for gay filmmakers and gay filmmaking. Um, we have the Tempest, which is Jarman's adaptation of uh, the Shakespeare play. Now, of course, if Derek Jarman's uh, adapting Shakespeare, he's going to take the, the original text, he's going to do whatever he wants with it. Mm-hmm. And here he has. He took a lot of liberties with it. He, uh, I mean, generally it's the story of uh, Prospero, you know, uh, taking revenge on Ariel. It's the same kind of story, but um, uh, it's done in a way that I think that people will probably be either either love or be very, very turned off by. Absolutely. So it was, it, was, uh, it was shot. It looks nice on the Blu-ray. I mean, it's an old film. It's from 1979. It was shot uh, in, in this big, huge abbey, so it looks, mm-hmm. it's a great location. Um, but if you get the Blu-ray, what you do get are uh, three short films by Derek Jarman from the early 70s, which is great. Uh, but the film itself, again, is only really worth it if you know who Derek Jarman is and you like what he was all about. There's another Derek Jarman Blu-ray called uh, Sebastian. Now, this film... This is a film that's brought to you by Kino. This is actually uh, Jarman's first film. It was actually co-directed with uh, Paul Humphreys. And uh, this is an interesting film because this one is, uh, has, obviously, it's a religious film. It is profoundly religious. It is very interesting film. It was rated X when it first came out. Uh, because it just com- is completely unapologetic about the gay experience, especially, you know, and, and, and thing is that you're now you're mixing the gay experience with the religious mm-hmm. story, which, of course, is not going to make a lot of people very happy. Uh, so 
it's a very controversial film, but it's a very good film. I would definitely uh, pick up Sebastian before I picked up the other one. Uh, so again, this looks good on Blu-ray, but again, 1976, so you're not quite talking about uh, pristine stuff here. Brian Eno does the music, which is just great. Uh, so there you go. That's uh, two by Derek Jarman. Wade. We got, uh, and now for some stuff from Olive. Olive just keeps pulling really great and interesting titles out of the uh, Paramount Library. The uh, a bunch of really cool classics in a second here. But first, one from the '80s that everybody seems to have forgotten about. And I loved this film at the time. Doesn't quite hold up like uh, like I thought it did, but uh, it's still it's it, it's a, it's a cool film. Firstborn uh, was directed by Michael Apted. Uh, at a really interesting point in his career when he was kind of um, more known for documentaries than for features. Not really, hadn't really sort of made a lot of great features. But um, this, it, it's an interesting film uh, starring Terry Garr, Peter Weller, and Christopher Collet, or Collett. And Christopher Collett is just plays this teenager whose mom, Terry Garr, uh, has a new boyfriend played by Peter Weller. Uh-oh, he's a psycho. And, uh, you know, it's just a kid who's going to save his mom from the crazed lunatic that his mom has invited into their lives. This is Peter Weller pre-Robocop. And uh, the cast has some really interesting supporting people in it, including a young Robert Downey Jr. and Sarah Jessica Parker. So, uh, you know, a, a totally minor film from the 80s, but it's a nice crowd pleaser. It sort of has a, it's got a, you know, an underdog vibe to it that I think works really nicely and uh, you know it's, it's rated PG-13 now PG-13 didn't exist at the time this was a PG-13 a PG film at the time so I think it's interesting they got it re-rated to PG-13 usually usually when movies get re-rated yeah they get re-rated down yep because now we become much more permissive on violence and sex indeed this one gets re-rated upwards that's true uh, also from all of we have a Blu-ray of Bound now um, Bound was the uh, uh, was kind of the calling card film first film by the Wachowski brothers who, of course, are now the Wachowski brother and sister. Um, and we, we, that's, I'm still creeped out, man. I got it. I know that's politically incorrect. You I saw know. that video, right? I, dude, seriously. What? What? what Look, God what, love her, but I'm just saying it's weird. It's weird. God it love her. She's happy. It's all that matters. It's none of my business. But just saying it's weird. It's weird. Uh, Bound is a terrific film. This is uh, it's a film about uh, uh, two, uh, two lesbian lovers, uh, Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly, and they're going to steal $2 million of mob money from uh, Joe Pantoliano. And this thing is neo-noir. It's suspenseful. It's tongue-in-cheek. I, I still think, think it's the best film they have, they've made. It's uh, the best film they've made. Really? More than uh, The Matrix? Absolutely. I love The Matrix. This film, it, everything about it works. The script, everything. It's just it, This is one of the best modern neo-noirs I've ever seen. The, I, think, I think it's better than Blood Simple. It, it's funny, you know, because, you know, obviously the Wachowskis started with Bound and they've gone, you know, all the way into super sci-fi. Oh, yeah. Now the the uh, uh the Cohen brothers started with Blood Simple, but they still stayed there. Yeah. I mean the the Cohen brothers never sold out and did a hundred and fifty million dollar Superman movie. No. Whereas the Wachowski brothers, I mean you would never look at Bound and True. think that someday they're gonna do I mean the only guy who's maybe like that is Chris Nolan. I mean Nolan starts with Memento and then, you know, whatever, ten years later he's doing Batman. Wachowskis are the same. You know, they're doing Bound, and then 10 years later, they're doing very The Matrix. True. Very true. Uh, so Bound is a terrific film. Very highly recommended. Love it, love it. Uh, also, from the good folks at Olive, I don't know why Paramount doesn't care about uh, Rio Grande. Rio Grande? Rio Grande. Because they care about Clue, the movie. Is <laughs> that, that just bizarre? It's just weird. Why, why, why would they not? I mean, do they really think that Clue has <laughs> more of a, a, a more sales potential they must. Then uh, they must. Rio Grande. I don't understand. Anyway, this is a great film. This is um, this is from 1950. This is uh, John Wayne, 
And, uh, you know, he's so devoted to uh, his job as, uh, you know, as, as a colonel of the army that or I think it's like a lieutenant colonel or something that uh, it's broken up his marriage. He hadn't seen his wife played by Marina Harrow in like whatever, 15 years. And, uh, you know, he finally gets dropped as a cadet from West Point and uh, he's got to go on this adventure to kind of redeem himself. And uh, this is John Ford at his most John Fordian. Actually, maybe not as his most most John Fordian. Well, he's pretty intensely John Fordian. He really is. Yeah. Um, so there's just obviously like all John Ford films, it's just great. It's a beautifully shot, great vistas. And if you look at the uh, special, uh, the making of, hosted by our friend Leonard Malton, you'll really see how John Ford is starting to develop his John Fordiness. Yeah, totally. And uh, so it's a gorgeous Western. John Wayne is at his peak. It's a great story. It's one of the great Westerns ever made. Rio Grande. Love it. All right, Mark, it's time for the Vox Box before, what? We, before we tune out. Can so, I sing the song? Go ahead, do it. <laughs> it's Vox Box. Hi, Mark and Wade. It's Shaw Dixon. I have one question. What are your guys' top picks for documentaries? Because I recently saw The War Room on Criterion Collection and really liked it. And I'm wondering, what are your guys' favorite documentaries? Thank you. That, leave leave to Chevelle to ask us a question that, all, that almost kind of stumps us because I thought, oh crap! I mean, there's so many. I, there's so many, and and I don't, I, you know, I don't typically like go nuts for documentaries the way that I do for for narrative films. Uh, I'll see them and I'll love them and in the moment, uh, but I don't really. I, I'm trying to think how many documentaries would I want to see again. Well, when I'm asked that question, I I, I do have a ready-made answer, which is probably my favorite doc of all time, although it's not something I want to revisit very often. Yeah. And there's a great Criterion DVD of it. It's Hearts and Minds yeah. from 1974, the documentary on Vietnam. Yeah, uh, which is a great film. That's a really awesome film. I mean, I love, love that documentary. I mean, as much as you can love a documentary about uh, the horrors of Vietnam, it's a great film. I, I, you know, for my money, I would say I love things like um, Tokyo Olympiad, which I think is just a beautifully made film, also on Criterion. Um, but mostly, my favorite documentaries tend to be documentaries about the making of movies. To be honest, well, Hearts of Darkness. Hearts of Darkness is one of my favorites. Uh, the you know uh, Les Blanks uh, film on the making of Fitzcarraldo. Yes, uh, is uh, uh, you know it's uh, uh, it's uh, Burden of Dreams. Burden of Dreams is is unbelievable. Hoop um, Dreams. Speaking of dreams, is a great hoop, one. Hoop Dreams is terrific. And you know what? If you like rock and roll, Last Waltz is a great one. And and I think you know uh, for just pure documentaries. Um, I, I really like a lot of the, the Maisley stuff, like Salesman. I think Salesman... Now, Salesman, is, a, is that on DVD? Yeah. Oh, yeah. it is on DVD. Oh, yeah, that's a criterion as well. I mean, Salesman is a wonderful, wonderful movie. And it's, uh, you know, as as is um, uh, Grey Gardens. Great film, too, from the right. Maisleys. So, you know, um, yeah, I think that, that, that you know, I, I, I gave it a lot of thought. And I think those are probably the ones that, that I'm most excited about. But um, Although, I'll, I'll tell you what, since he's asking, I'm going to give him two out-of-left field picks. They're great docs, but okay. maybe they're not ones that you would normally. Uh, Koyani Scotsy? Oh, you know, eh, not is that really. A doc, doc, is that a non-doc? It's a doc. I guess it counts as a doc. It's non-narrative, but not, that one, is true. not one of my favorites. Okay, how about this? You don't like Koyani Scotsy because you hate America. Uh, it's true. But uh, how about the Up series? Brilliant. Michael Apted again. Yes. And, you know, that's still not finished. I mean, we're still... we're still. There's t- a new one coming out this year. I know. I'm dying to see where it goes because now we're getting interesting, right? Now we're really getting interesting with that series. All right, with that, we are done. We'll see you guys next week with uh, a lot of television and hopefully more new movies for a change. We've gotten a few in, Mark, so I'm, I'm hoping that by next week we'll have, a, we'll have a better roster than we've had in the last few weeks. Email us, gods at digigods.com. Send us your Vox box. Send us your emails. See you next week. Hey.